Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Commanders. I'm Anthony Armstrong, the original 13, and you don't see another face next to me right now. Mr. Brian Murphy is down there handling things in Atlanta, Georgia, but I have a very special guest today. We're going to talk a couple of good uh, situations that this guy, I circled his name, underlined it, and I knew I needed to get him in to talk about this particular topic. I'm going to welcome our guest to the show, Mr. J.I. Paul Sell. He's the EVP of Client Compensation for Three Strand Sports and a former Washington salary cap analyst. Uh, J.I., how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on, bro. Man, you look good as ever. New J.I. way back with my days in Washington. And he still, he ain't aged a bit, man. He hadn't aged a bit. Trying to keep, trying uh, to keep up with you. Hey, man. Hey, we got to stay looking young out here, right? We got to stay looking young. Uh, but we, I knew I had to tap you uh, to talk contracts, talk, you know, just w- the way that this running back position in particular is and, and what Washington could potentially do with these contracts that they're going to have coming up. But before we get to that, I got to talk about our sponsors, the good folks over there at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag, that's where you go. Use our code BLEAV, get a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, if you're a first time user, uh, it's your number one spot to get all your sports wagering needs, your bets, your info. And they even have some casino games over, over there as well. Obviously, football is there. And so you can do your football betting, some futures. I already got the over on the six and a half for Washington this year. I think they're going to get easily over six and a half wins. Um, but you can bet on the NFL, NBA, NHL. Uh, you got golf is available. Maybe you won't bet as much as Phil Mickelson, but you can still put a little bit of something in there and get yourself a welcome bonus. But if he went over there, he'd get a welcome bonus too on his first time. But uh, betonline.ag, that's where you head to. Betonline, it's where the game starts. J.I., let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. I see you got that Gonzaga shirt on. We were talking earlier about uh, presumptive number one pick Caleb Williams and what he's going to do and being a Gonzaga guy. And that was your high school up there in the D.C. area. Uh, He's going to he's going to have his pick of the litter when it comes to contracts and how he wants to sign his things. But the running back position. What is your what is your thoughts on the, the position right now? And what are some p- potential uh, scenarios to try to come up with better ways to, to take care of those players? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're building a roster, you kind of rank your positions in terms of position importance, right? And obviously, quarterback's number one. All clubs have quarterback as your most important position. Maybe edge rusher, uh, left tackle wide receiver, but it's pretty far down the line when you start getting the running backs. While, you know, running backs are obviously key cogs to high-flying offenses in a lot of instances, um, what we've seen in recent history is that you can find a competent running back in day three, or you can find a competent running back in college free agency, right? And so if I need to pay my quarterback, or if you're Washington and you know, you've got to pay two edge players at some point. And obviously Washington doesn't have this issue at the running back position. But the point is, is that when you've got to pay other positions that rank higher on your list of positional importance, then that suppresses the the, the demand for the, the position. Because we can go, I'm not going to pay you $15 million per year when I can go draft a guy in day three named Isaiah Pacheco, as an example. 
and the Chiefs go and win a Super Bowl with that guy, right? So it's simple supply and demand where, you know, you've got a huge supply of running backs. There's not a lot of demand, which thus drives down the price. In terms of solutions, there's been a lot made in the media about should running backs have their own union? Should running backs have a separate kind of compensation mechanism that 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 rewards them on their rookie contract? Yeah, but yeah, but I don't see because look, it's not just a running back market, right? Uh, Travis Kelsey makes like thirteen million dollars per year, and yeah. he's better than a lot of wide receivers who make in excess of eighteen million per year. But because he plays tight end, which is a suppressed market, much like running back, you know, he that that market isn't up there with the wide receivers. Yeah. So I I bring that up real quick because you could similar to the offensive line tag. So there isn't a tag for offensive tackles. There's not a tag for guards. There's not a tag for centers. There's just a offensive line tag. Yeah. You could do some something similar with the skill position players. So you could create a skill position tag that encompasses wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. And now because mm-hmm. wide receivers make in excess of 20 million per year, that tag value is really going to be buoyed by the wide receiver pay. So now mm-hmm. if I if I need to tag a running back, if I want to keep keep him like Josh Jacobs or um Saquon, well, now that tag is gonna pay Saquon or Josh Jacobs similar to a wide receiver. Okay. And so that's where it makes it a little bit harder to tag the running back. And so now at least he can go to the market. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a while before we even get there. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that we mentioned on the show, we believe in commanders, uh, just how the edge rushers didn't used to be edge rushers. It was left in, right in, left outside, right outside linebacker. They had to come up with a new position. Um, and, and you already see it in the news now, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, they're just, weapons offensive weapons right you're getting to the point that you're gonna have to really consider changing changing what you what you call these positions and when you you mentioned a kelsey um if shoot austin eckler had over 100 receptions he was like fifth fifth in the league in receptions Uh, josh jacobs touched the ball almost 400 times Mm -hmm. right when you have that much of an impact on how many times you touch the ball you almost would feel like those those values need to be flipped, you know, right. from a receiver and a running back. And I mean, I played receiver. I would love to get paid eighteen million a year. Hell, I'd love to get paid ten million a year, right? <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. And, and I don't want anybody to not get their money. But I like your idea of that. And I saw I don't know if you had seen Robert Griffin III had just mentioned saying, "What if they just removed those tags, no franchise, no transition tags, and shortened those contracts from five to three? You know, yeah. just say, hey, get your money in these three years. And that gives a younger player a chance of getting their second, third contract by the time they're 28, 30. The challenge with the challenge with that concept is clubs and owners, their end game is to control players' rights for as long yeah. as possible. Right. Yeah. And for me to control your rights, then the, the trade-off is that you should compensate me accordingly. Right. The problem becomes if you're a first round pick, four-year contract, fifth year option two years at a tag, right? So now you're into year seven of your career before you make it to free agency. But to circle back to your original point about kind of the blurring of positions, to your point, 
I mean, Jimmy Graham made this argument like 10 years ago. He was like, at the, at the peak of Jimmy Graham's career, he was productive like a wide receiver. And when he got tagged by the Saints, he actually um, followed, followed a grievance saying that he should have been, he should have the wide receiver tag based upon his production. Well, mm -hmm. now, even on the defensive side of the ball, if I'm a 34, if I'm an outside backer in a 34, well, I'm basically a defensive end, right? Yep. And so, you know, just like the defensive end in a, in a 40 front. So, so if I'm a 34 outside backer, do I get the linebacker tag or do I get the defensive end tag? And there's a big difference in the price points there. So oh, yeah. we, we really probably, or when I say we, the union should really, in the next CBA negotiations, really revisit kind of how do we tag players and what are those definitions? Man, do you think that that's something? I mean, I don't know if you have much experience working with Damari Smith, but is, do you think that's something that he'd be able to get sold to the owners and get that across the table? I think the union's position, and I don't suspect this will change with the new executive director at the union. Um, the union's position has always been we don't want to get a win for a small handful of players because think about only a very small percentage of the player population gets tagged, right? No. Very small. And so do we want to solve a problem for a very small percentage of our kind of rank and file, or do we want to get something that really impacts our all of our constituents, like, you know, uh, uh, restrictions around off-season activities and no. um, not playing uh, uh, an 18th game, right, and, and reducing a preseason because that impacts all players. So that's kind of where why, in a lot of ways, I think this franchise tag still remains in the CBA because, again, it, it impacts a very small percentage of the player population. I see. I see. And I, I know whenever I was in the league and the, the PA came through and you'd go to the meetings, they were like, the guys that are 10, 15 years ahead of you were – building things for that are hitting now and the, the decisions I made are, you know, affecting players now. I mean, I see, I remember, you know, when they started taking the, the heavy weighted rookie contracts and they tried mm -hmm. to allocate them to the vets yep. and that gave vets more money. But then in turn, a lot of the vets that were on that lower part of the roster were cut because they were like, well, I'm going to go ahead and get a rookie at right. a much smaller contract. And, and, you know, uh, all in all, it ended up affecting a lot of players. I think hell, myself maybe uh, kind of fell into that mix where it's like, shoot, you got a good good player that's got a certain dollar amount, but I can get a rookie uh, and fill that to, same void. So do that same thing, exactly. Yeah, and and it, it's I mean, what what's the saying? You, you you take one and eat. I don't know. I don't know the saying, but it, it feels like it's your uh, definitely a tough thing. But we, since we're talking with Ji. Uh, he's a contract expert, y'all. He knows all about those numbers. I don't even try to do the salary cap stuff. When it comes to the salary cap, I just propose things. And they're like, well, you can't do that with the cap. I say, I don't know. That ain't my job. I just come up with the big ideas and let somebody else talk it out. That's what J.I. does. Let's talk about this. I want to go into Washington's potential contract logjam. Last episode uh, with Brian Murphy, we talked about it. Played a little game um, called sign, tag, and trade. I didn't want to put cut on there because I feel like Washington may be in a position uh, to try to retain all these guys. I mean, the biggest names, Cam Curl, uh, Chase Young, and Montez Sweat, all are, are set to get paid. And I think it's probably uh, pretty common and safe to say that across the Washington football nation, Cam Curl probably takes precedence right now. He has such importance to that defense. Um, and then you're going to pick and choose from one of these other defensive ends. 
Do you feel that there is a, a situation that all three of those guys could potentially stay in Washington uh, after this season, so whenever their contracts are need to be? Received? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's likely, but you could retain all three guys. Here's the thing that I, I, I tell people all the time: there's always ways to structure deals to navigate the salary cap. You can structure the deals in a way so that you navigate navigate the deal so that the player gets their cash and the cap accounting gets pushed out into future years when the salary cap is increased, right? So, and especially when you've got a rookie a rookie contract quarterback in, in Sam Howell, and then you've got a veteran quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who's on a very inexpensive contract relative to the quarterback market. So given that, you know, quarterback is the most expensive position, when you've got cheap contracts at that position, that gives more flexibility to go pay the cam curls of the world and your, your you know, Chase Young's and Montez Sweats of the world. Um, so that's a long way of saying that, you know, I'm not saying it's likely, but it is possible. Okay. All right. Uh, well, if we play the sign tag and trade game, I don't know if you even speak to it. Um, I mean, I, we both say sign cam curl. If you had to pick between Montez and Chase, and, and I, I, where I think everybody's like, keep them all, but which one do you think they, they may have to lean towards? Well, here's the thing. Even with Cam Curl, in terms of positional importance, right, on the field, from a practical standpoint, he is a key cog to that defense, without a doubt, right? Yeah. But the question becomes – we have a certain budget or a price point if I'm Washington that we're not willing to exceed for a safety. Cause can we go get a safety on day three of the draft? Go get a safety in, in, in college free agency. You can. Or, can, or can we, should we tag him and then maybe see, if we, see if we can find his successor because in terms of positional importance, the edge rusher across the league is going to be more important than the safety. Right. Because we got to get after the quarterback. And so while Cam Curl is the more productive player in terms of scarcity of finding guys who can be edge rushers. Montez Sweat has been solid, not great, but solid. Chase Young has been hurt. And if he can come back to form. There's a certain argument to be said that maybe you pick one of the edge rushers even ahead of the safety. Hmm. Okay, and, and I think this is a point where you kind of have to really circle KJ Henry and and see what he looks like. Um, you know, I've been been telling folks too, like, hey, you got to assume they they tried to pick a successor at defensive end to make the decision easy. You know, if if one guy falters or if they play similarly, then you say, okay, well, at least we're going to keep KJ. And if one of these other young players, you know, step up. Um, but I, I do think that you got to keep Cam Curl, uh, even though positionally around the league, safety's not a huge, uh, you know, position that's going to get circled at the on day one. But I think his importance to this defense yeah. is 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 where that would be uh, ranking, making him rank higher because, frankly, higher, more important than the linebackers right now. And when he took over calling the defense and having the, the green die last season. Uh, things started to shift for that defense. So, yep. oh, man. Okay, so there is benefits to having those rookie contracts. There is benefits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 clubs at the end of the day just want to have as many options on the table as possible. 
And yeah. those rookie contracts allow you to keep your options open for as long as possible. And from a roster building standpoint, it allows you to go maybe go find a successor, try to develop the successor so that when your incumbent gets to the end of that rookie contract, well, you move on from them and then you've developed yeah. this young guy to come back fill them. That's yeah. roster building. The, the, it sounds like a, a beautiful thing. I, I feel like it's been a while since Washington has really tried to cultivate their own talent uh, and grow it. They've always tried to pick from somebody else's tree or, or what's fallen off of that tree. And they're like, oh, we're going to dust this off and make it work. Uh, that's why I'm personally excited about where this team can go. You know, the past couple of years and really it's kind of quieted down lately, but the only com- the only co- co- commentary was you got to get a quarterback. You got to get a quarterback. Do anything to get a quarterback. They've been down that road. They've been down that road so many times they don't even need to ask directions. Okay, they know <laughs> we had three stops down, make a right, but you know that's where you're gonna find the the quarterbacks off the scrap heap. Uh, no shade, but that's just how it is. You have a chance right now to cultivate a guy in Sam Howell who had success in college and could could and in my opinion think I think he can play well in this league especially with this offense this offensive coordinator sure. um your window of success if you find the right mix on defense and he and Sam Howe flashes on offense um this could be a scary team and I don't want to sit here and pound and say they're going to win the Super Bowl this year but I, I think they can make the playoffs for sure and you and you think that they're going to win more than six and a half games <laughs> yeah right so I'm, I'm I'm between that seven and ten and I'm leaning ten because I think that they can make their way easily third, but maybe, maybe second in this division uh, if the defense shows up. So, I don't know, do you have do you have any players that you want to keep your eyes on? Obviously, tonight is the uh, first preseason game. Maybe they're out there in Cleveland. Who do you see is a yeah. player that needs to jump out? I think I, I want to see the running back. I want to see how, you know, is Brian Robinson even going to play, right? Because I, I don't know that he's going to play in the first preseason game. You know, Antonio Gibson's actually in a contract year, and he's he's had a very interesting journey in Washington, right? When you yeah. think about how he was used early in his tenure in Washington to last year kind of getting supplanted by Brian Robinson, but he's shown such versatility, right, that, you know, how does Eric Bieniemy use a weapon like an Antonio Gibson, right, yeah. in conjunction with a Brian Robinson? So, um not specific to tonight, but over the course of the preseason, I just, I'm really curious just to kind of see how the running backs kind of shake out because everybody's focused on the, yeah, everyone's focused on the quarterbacks. We know what we have at wide receiver, um, but you know, the running backs and, and we always want to assess the offensive line. Yeah. I agree with you on Gibson, just him being able to run routes. And I mean, he was a receiver and the enemy already told him, run your routes like a receiver. And if mm-hmm. if I'm an offensive coordinator and you want to have some flexibility and versatility, is nothing better than having the guy that can you can literally line the running back outside and actually mean business with it. It's not just a right. formational thing. And hey, we're going to motion you back to the backfield anyways. Like when Derrick Henry would line up outside in Tennessee, you already he's know he's motioning back. He, he's not doing anything yeah. out there. He's, he's taking up space. space. Not a yeah. threat at all. Now Antonio Gibson can be a threat. It gives you a lot of options throughout this offense across the board. Uh, what about on that defensive side? What do you, what do you think um, – who do you think needs to kind of flash and, and really you know, make a strong statement this preseason? I'm excited to see Forbes, the, the young corner from Mississippi State, just because he was so productive in college at Mississippi State. Um, but he's so slight of frame, right? Like he doesn't 
you know, you don't see guys who are six feet plus tall at 160 pounds playing in the NFL. You know, yeah. can he can he hold up? You know, yeah. and and he was actually really durable at Mississippi State, and he was obviously productive on the ball. And so when we think about the defense, uh, the outside the corners, I, I really want to see, and, and the linebackers, like the D line, we know is solid. The safety position solid. It's corner and linebacker for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Forbes. I'm not as worried about his size as as everybody else's because he played in the sec you know it's not like he was playing you know d2 i played d2 and i was about 170 pounds maybe coming out right so it's not like he played against lesser talent he wasn't in like a, a powerful conference it's like i had to go up against bama go up yeah. against georgia so he had to see some physical battles but yeah. the production in college i mean six six big sixes come yeah. on now yeah, against I mean, I, I didn't go and see who he played against to get those six, but the guy had production in the SEC, so he, he's going to have production in the league, I think. Um, uh, last little bit, I talked about this on the last show, and it's been the topic of discussion. People talking about EB's coaching style. Is that a problem or not a problem, or is it something that he needs to personally work on uh, to to get to that head coaching position? I think it's more so this dynamic of – I mean, he's in theory, the the next head coach kind of already in the building. Like if, if Ron Rivera makes one false move, one mistake, he could with new ownership, he might not even make it through the through the entire season, right? And you've already got a head coach kind of who's already been on head co- coaching radars, interviewed for numerous jobs, he's already in the building. So when we talk about Ron bringing up that some of the players aren't comfortable with EB style. I don't know how much of that is really about the style as much as it is about Ron's insecurity around his, his job security mm. <laughs> or lack mm. thereof, because you play, you get to the NFL at some point in your journey, you had a tough coach at some oh, yeah. point, at some point in your journey, you probably been playing football since you were, you know, eight years old, if not longer than that. At some point in that journey, you had a hard coach. So, and I get, you know, younger generation, participation trophies, that whole deal. I get it. But at the same time, when you get to this level of football, you had hard coaching. So I don't yeah. I don't know that this is really about EB as much as it is about Ron Rivera. That's interesting. That's an interesting, interesting take. Because um, I, 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 for me, it's a nothing burger. It's, it's nothing to it. Because like you said, I've had tough coaches. I've had tough coaches have the most colorful language and the weirdest combination of curse words to to get their point across to you. But um, I, I could see it being a personal thing that you kind of got to make sure you temper some of it. But but I, what I said before is when you're a new guy, a new coach showing up, he could not come in there timid. You can't come in there soft, tiptoeing, and, and, and you know, that's not going to fly. You might as well come in there raising hell, and then you can back off from there. You can't come in and try to set the set a low standard and then try to turn up out of nowhere because players don't respect tone. that. Yeah, yeah, set the tone, and I and and I and I mean, you know, I I get it, I get it. Sometimes coach say something to you and it's a little bit too far, um, but you're at the highest level, and it's always it always is understood that if the coaches aren't talking to you, 
then it's probably going to be a problem. So you might have rather than be yelling at me, say, hey, man, you better get right, uh, because eventually you may not get that opportunity again. At all. Right. At all. 100%. They'll send you home and say thanks for your time. And uh, you might not get another phone call because you're waiting on the coach to be a little bit nicer to you. That's not how that league can always be. When the coaches stop talking to you, that means the next person that's probably going to be talking to you is the pro scouting director saying, hey, turn in your, your playbook. We're, we're sending yeah. you home. We appreciate everything you've done, man. Good luck on your next spot. Right. Man, J.I., I appreciate you taking the time. Glad we got connected. Glad to see you again and, and, and sharing your knowledge and all your wisdom. But take a moment, tell the folks where they can find you at uh, on, on your social medias or, yeah. and, and any other platforms. Yeah, I mean, so on Twitter, you can find me at SalaryCap101. You know, just like Anthony just said, I love kind of sharing my perspective about player contracts and the salary cap, so I do that there. And then on IG, you can find me um, at J.I. also on IG. Already. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And for everybody out there watching, let's once more time, just understand, go over there to betonline.ag, use our code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, get that 50% welcome bonus. Check us out on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Believe Commanders, B-L-E-A-V, Commanders. And we're on your tune-in radio, Sirius XM, Studio, uh, all these streaming platforms. It's crazy nowadays. It's not just on Channel 3. We got it everywhere, on your phone, on your tablet, on your PC. Uh, for the great Salary Cap 101, Mr. J.I. Halsell, Brian Murphy, we'll catch you on the next one. I'm Anthony Armstrong. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.